Start your day right with Viet5 Coffee. Freshly grown coffee harvested straight from Vietnam and roasted in Chicago. Viet5 offers rich quality tasting Vietnamese coffee straight to your soul. Visit Viet5 Coffee in Chicago to grab a fresh cup and a bun me to go along with it. Or go to www.viet5.com and use the code in all caps, V-M-N-C-H-I-V-5, to get 15% off your purchase. This show is also sponsored by Circa Pintig, which stands for the Center for Immigrant Resources and Community Arts, and Pintig meaning post in the Philippinex language. Circa Pintig is a 501c3 organization that engages communities through the power of the arts to challenge injustice and transcend social change. Circa Pintig produces timely works to provide education, activation, and advocacy. For more information about upcoming events and to learn about how to get involved, visit www.circapintig.org, which is spelled C-I-R-C-A-P-I-N-T-I-G.org, or follow them on YouTube, Facebook at Circa Pintig, or on Instagram at Circa Pintig Theater. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Bun Me Chronicles podcast. This is Randy Kim, host and creator of this podcast. In keeping up with the theme, A Hero Comes Along, I invited my friend and former guest, Joshua Wynn, to be my special guest for this episode. He interviewed fellow poet colleague, Susan Wynn, author of her debut poetry collection, Dear Diaspora, for this episode. They talk about their personal heroes and villains and more in this fun conversation. Check out this episode and be sure to grab a copy of her poetry book, Dear Diaspora. My name is Joshua Wynn, and I'll be guest hosting this episode of the Bun Me Chronicles. A shout out to Randy Kim. Um, I asked them if he had any advertising to say, and they didn't say anything. So I'm just going to shout out random products, and hopefully we get sponsorships. You can feel free to shout out anything, Susan. Um, shout out Kung Fu Tea. <laughs> shout out fireflies shout <laughs> <laughs> mm, out oh I want to throw one out there if that's okay um <laughs> yeah um shout out indie, indie bookstores go to your local indie bookstore support yeah. them <laughs> mm-hmm. and I think Win Coffee Supply is the average I think they I think Randy's with Win Coffee Supply so shout out to Win oh, Coffee awesome. Supply yeah, yeah. All right, well, I'm excited to do this uh, episode. Um, I have Susan Wynn uh, in the interview space today. Um, she has a green firefly filled background behind her. Um, so if you haven't seen it, you should go check out one of her virtual interviews or readings. Um, I'm gonna read her bio and then we'll get into the questions. Susan Wynn debut poetry collection, Dear Diaspora, University of Nebraska Press 2021, won the Prairie Schooner Book Prize in Poetry, a New Mexico, Arizona Book Award, and was a finalist for the Julie Sook Award. Her poems have been nominated for Best of the Nets and the Pushcart Prize, and have appeared or are forthcoming in the Academy of American Poets, Poem a Day series, the American Poetry Review, The Rumpus, Tin House, Diagram, and Elsewhere. 
the recipients of fellowships from the Arizona Commission of the Arts, the Virginia G. Piper Center for Creative Writing, and the 2022 Stanley Kunis Memorial Prize from the American Poetry Review. She currently serves as a senior editor of Hayden's Berry Review. Welcome, Susan. Hi. Uh, hey, thanks for being here. Thanks for having for me. For helping me with the, the advertisements up front. <laughs> <laughs> I know, how to really think on my feet. <laughs> um, so uh, this episode, the theme is A Hero Comes Along. Um, so just to, to start off, uh, the first question, I just wanted to ask, what is a hero in your life? Um, and could be a hero that has informed your work as a writer or um, a personal hero or any other types of heroes that you've been thinking about? Yeah, good question. Um, honestly, way to start off with a hard question, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like Honestly, the first person that came into my mind was my therapist. And I was like, can I say my hero is my therapist? I think maybe that's, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, shout out therapy. Yeah. Um, I actually started therapy, uh, like seriously for the first time, like since last summer. And, and yeah, it's been going great. It's been really interesting to see how that informs my writing actually, just in terms of, and I feel like as a poet, um, obviously curiosity and observation are like really powerful, right. And like skills, um, but now I don't know. I feel like there's this different layer of also self-awareness, you know, that I'm obviously not mm -hmm. in therapy for like to better my writing, but you know, to, it's really better myself and my relationships and, and everything else that's going on, um, like in my life and in the world. So it's been kind of curious to see like, oh, like how this new layer, this new level of self-awareness pops up. Um, and I actually feel like before I started therapy last, like I think August, I feel like some of the poems I was writing and maybe it's a natural uh, progression from like, my first book, which was very like looking in the past and family um, and like Vietnam history and like diaspora, of course. Um, and then all of a sudden last summer I was at a residency and I feel like my poems like took on a different kind of honesty. I think mostly because all of a sudden I was like writing a lot of first person I poems again and like feeling less, less self-conscious of that. Um, whereas mm -hmm. that first book, you know, a lot of the poems are, are in third person, which I needed at the time. But um, yeah. So I started therapy last August. Well, I didn't know this was my, my, it was going to be my answer, but now I'm getting into it. <laughs> but yeah, I started it last August and I haven't like written necessarily that much, like in terms of like completed poems. Um, but of the, the stuff, like the random, you know, word vomit and, and things that are coming mm -hmm. out that maybe are earlier drafts or earlier stages of writing. Um, there's definitely for me anyway, like a, a renewed, um, maybe not renewed, but just definitely a different kind of honesty um, and internal thinking as well which I find interesting um yeah and I think I don't know when I, I hear the word hero I feel like I, I'm, I'm thinking immediately of like oh like something big or major like superhero but which is why I was like this is kind of hard to answer but really if I it's probably easier for me anyway to think of it on a smaller scale um like the everyday or like I don't know heroes in my life like my parents right mm -hmm. um my partner who like you know, supports me and wants me to be the best version of myself. And he was like, yeah, maybe you should go to therapy. And I was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, I think maybe I'll end there. Um, oh, and this is also very random, but I watched the Pamela Anderson documentary on Netflix last night. I don't know if you, have you seen mm -hmm. it? I haven't seen it. No. no? Okay. Um, yeah. And so this is kind of a random, maybe like, uh, 
like way to, way to fear off to answer this question, but um, yeah, I didn't necessarily have an opinion on Pamela Anderson before, but I feel like now that I have, I'm like, wow, one, I love, I love her. <laughs> you know, she's like gone through so much, so much, right. Um, and she's definitely a survivor and like still is such like a, a person who embraces, like, I don't know, is still like a romantic at heart and embraces like life um, and isn't bitter, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, and if you ever watch it, which I uh, definitely suggest this will make a lot more sense as a comment and stuff but um just like the stuff she's gone through that is detailed in, in that documentary and on the other side mm-hmm. of it her ability to survive and still be very resilient um I found admirable admirable um yeah and it made me cry a lot <laughs> um oh, which is also wow. yeah <laughs> did she address the fictional show that they just did of that they um, did it's touched upon a little bit, like, not like a, as a huge focus, but definitely in terms of like, oh, like, you know, they, they did not get my permission to do this. And obviously it's like Whoa. dredging up a lot of stuff, like not great, painful stuff in the, the mm-hmm. past. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's touched upon a little bit. Yeah. What about you? It was cool. Oh, I hear, wait, I hear it from me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Turning Am I allowed to turn it around? <laughs> I guess you can't. Oh, wow. Um, I guess a hero. I mean, I can go really current. I, I, cause I, I defended my dissertation yesterday, and my chair was Amy Nizuka Matado. And honestly, like she's been a big hero of mine, like coming into coming to Oxford, Mississippi, and I think just how she navigates, you know, her literary career and like her 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 life. She always approaches things with kindness and generosity she hasn't lost like she hasn't lost that at all which I think is really important and really like cool to see that someone on her level can still maintain um just like extreme like wholesomeness and goodness and still like strive to be like the best version and like strive for like the program to be the best version of itself um because at the end of my defense one of my other professors on the committee was like, what's your biggest fear? And my, I said that I'm afraid that like bureaucracy of academia will like mm. uh, spurt or like will stop my love of teaching. But then I'll, but now I'm thinking like, if I always think about Amy and like approach life and poetry like Amy does, I, I probably will never lose that spark. Yeah, um, wow, I love that. Yeah, I know like- uh, <laughs> if we're talking about bureaucracy of like institutions and stuff, yeah, I, I feel like that can really easily make someone feel jaded and just like burnt out and stuff. So yeah, I think the, mm-hmm. the generosity um, for sure is like a, a big one. Um, and thinking yeah. of like literary heroes, especially, yeah. Um, I mean, we, I, I like that we start with ther- your therapist because <laughs> um, that is a very like, you know, important superhero that, you know, I think, a lot of people need and like a lot of people turn to um I think I'm still probably struggling with like you know the idea of of therapy I still haven't done it yet but I have good health insurance now in Boston so there's there's time and there's a chance that I would do it because my partner also wants me I suggest I should do (laughs) shout out to to our partners (laughs) (laughs) yeah I will Um, I will say too, like I was gonna ask, like, say what? 
Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> See, this is the part that Randy's going to get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, thank you, Randy, for this. <laughs> um, I was just, just going to move on to the next question because you mentioned therapy. Uh, the ther your therapist as a hero. And I was wondering if you have any other just uh, um, underrated superhero powers that you think are uh, should be highlighted more. I mean, like a random, non-essential superpower that you would like to have uh, in your day to day. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to first go back in time. Um, when I was really young, I don't know how old, like, like six or seven, I don't know, but this is so random, but for some reason, I, I don't know if I, I don't think I thought of this as a superpower, but I just was like, I wish that everything in the world was free and that like the most expensive <laughs> things. And at the time, the most expensive things were like cars, TVs, couches. Obviously now I'm like, wow, they're way more expensive things, but um, yeah, I wish that everything was free and that the things that to me at the time seemed very expensive were like at most like a dollar. The other thing I wished for was that <laughs> um, like the, the world was just like made of mattresses, like the crown was just endless mattresses. Just that way you could just like, <laughs> jump around like barefoot everywhere you go, you know? Oh. Yeah, I'm just maybe I was maybe I'll say I was younger than six or seven. I don't know. But that's <laughs> I remember like randomly wishing for that. Um for whatever reason <laughs> but I think now um yeah I, I would probably be something related to time like I don't think I want infinite time because I don't want to live like forever um mm -hmm. have you seen the show The Good Place by any chance I love that show I love The Good Place yeah, yeah I I like rewatched it recently um and I don't know if you remember in the last season when they finally get to The Good Place and like oh everyone's like a like a happiness or something zombie because like you just everything in the good place is like available right like happy forever mm -hmm. but then people just get very like um like immune to it you know right like it a little jaded from it yeah so like I don't think I'd want to live forever I'd know I had infinite time because then maybe time would probably be a lot less precious um but I definitely I don't know like I wish like maybe the the power I would want to have is like how do I slow down time or like like pause it or make more of it I, I don't know because I feel like right now um a lot of things in my life I'm just like man I wish I had more time to like I don't know live wholly right and presently and like read all the things I want to do and like accomplish all the things I want to do um and a lot of this is probably just like both internal and external pressures of like oh man at this age I need to get this done or right like first books out you know people are like when's the second one coming out and I'm like uh good question you know like if only I had the like more time like I'm always wishing for for more time um or like maybe I don't know blowing up time as a, a construct I don't know it'd, be, it'd definitely be time related because that's something that I feel right now I never have enough of um mm -hmm. I'm not sure like what exactly like that means or what I would do necessarily um but that's something I'm always like man if only I could figure out time um, or a way to to make that happen um and I'm sure like the answer is like oh yeah like look at your life and like your schedule and all that stuff but nah like I just wish I could make more of it in some in some capacity <laughs> you remember that um movie with Justin Timberlake about like, like it was called in time or just in time or something no <laughs> I've no <laughs> Sorry, the idea of it like just in time and like it's just in time. I know. But it was like right, like his climb as an actor. I, I feel like right before Social Network or something. The the premise was that 
in society, instead of currency, you got time. So it's kind of a, a messed up way of living. Huh, so you would yeah. have like your your the remaining time of life on your wrist, and it's oh my like, God. okay, yeah. If you like, the richest people had the most time left to live and stuff like that. Of course, yeah. Um, so I was thinking, like, in that, in, in a world where we could get more time, maybe more wholesome would be, like, you get, like, 10 raises in your life or 10, like, extra bonuses. And so it's, like, how much, like, I don't know, 52 weeks extra of time or something. Yeah. Um, but not, not, like, a infinite amount of time. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know if I want to watch that movie. <laughs> but that's a really interesting, like, concept. I, have, I haven't heard of that. Yeah. And I feel like in the end, what it comes down to, right, is just, like, the idea of like productivity right and how like time and capitalism and all that stuff is intertwined because really I'm like well if I didn't have to I don't know like support myself and you know work and have health insurance and you know those kind of stress like daily responsibilities and stressors in the same way that like you know I have to or like the system is built right now right um Mm -hmm. then maybe there wouldn't be this like oh I need to make more time there's all this pressure to get stuff done and like such a limited amount and that I need you know, to have a superpower to like make more, right? Um, I feel like that's really what it all kind of comes down to. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always conflicted because I'll confess that I did love Hamilton, the musical when it came out. And I do think that, like that kind of, you know, the Noel Miranda's mentality in that in that musical of like, I'm running out of time. I have to like write all these like documents, da, da, da. And like, I think also just like maybe just, growing up with like listening to hip-hop music and the idea of like gotta get you know get everything gotta produce everything before time runs out and now it's like that's going up against like the idea of like rest and the idea of like no you have enough time to like pace things out and I'm still like I'm still trying to figure out the balance between those two ideals yeah especially as like a writer right we're like I don't know like the world doesn't necessarily support or make time. Like you have to do that yourself, like for the art. So um, mm-hmm. that for sure, like is really, really difficult. I feel like most, because most people, you know, writing isn't their full-time job, right? Necessarily, they have to find other ways to support that and then like make the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I felt like a very like, well, boring, not boring, but like adult, like what what superpower do you want to have? I wish I had more like time. So I could do, like <laughs> things like just read more books and, and stuff that I just don't. <laughs> time for now <laughs> yeah even the mattress thing I was like that's cool and awesome more people would rest if there were just mattresses oh like, yeah maybe I've been like on the yeah maybe this is like the upgraded adult version of like the original like I wish everything was like just mattresses for I don't I really don't know where that came from but yeah <laughs> <laughs> well I want to apologize to Randy who is probably listening right now because <laughs> we know the theme is about heroes but I feel like any good hero has to have some good villains for the sake of plot and for the sake of tension. Um, so we're going to shift this interview to be more villainous. That's okay with you, Susan. Yeah. Um, so just to start off the villain half of this interview, I just want to know if you have any favorite movie villains that come to your mind or any like movie villains that you really like idolize even though they they might be a little little messed up or they may have like wrong intentions yeah um 
Yeah, no, great, great question. I love this. Um, and honestly, I love villains. <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> you know, like when there's a superhero movie and I'm like very, I'm very into Marvel movies. I don't, I don't know if you are at one point in my life before I had watched any of the Marvel movies, I think, I don't know. I was probably very pretentious and too serious and was like, I'm too good. Like who cares about superhero movies? Right. And then I watched Black <laughs> Panther in theaters and was like, wow, I'm obsessed. I must watch all the Marvel movies. Like in the quote-unquote right order, you know, um, mm -hmm. which is exactly what I did. <laughs> Wait, you did that? Yeah. Are you you did that? Oh my gosh, wow. Speaking of time, that's a lot of time. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> it was, <laughs> um, but it was worth it, yeah. Now I'm, yeah, very well, um, well, I shouldn't say well-versed, that's definitely not true, but very into, like, the Marvel universe. Um, but anyway, I just feel like, whether it's been, like, stories I read growing up, um, or, like, superhero Marvel movies, etc., I feel like I oftentimes, like, gravitate or like prefer the villain <laughs> you know for whatever reason <laughs> um so the ones that come to mind at least like in the marvel universe okay are you do you watch marvel movies like i don't know if you're into uh i have friends who do so i would watch <laughs> it with them when we go to the theaters and but i'm not like you know i'm o i'm okay with like spoilers i'm okay with like missing like I'm probably not gonna watch Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania mm -hmm. um so I'm not like a fan but I I'll, I'll watch like one-offs you know I've seen like Shang-Chi and yeah. Wakanda forever and... okay yeah hmm. well I was just asking so I was like maybe this will mean nothing to you <laughs> if you haven't seen <laughs> the stuff but I, I guess of the Marvel movies I I've always loved Loki um and then mm -hmm. also like more recently um Scarlet Witch um I don't know if mm -hmm. you've seen like any of the yeah okay <laughs> um I've seen Scarlet Witch in um multitude of madness right okay. multiverse of madness yeah maybe I don't know yeah I don't know yeah. okay this is like becoming an advertisement I guess for Marvel and they do not need <laughs> they do not need <laughs> um yeah I don't know and then another one okay that is not Marvel related um have you seen everything everywhere all at once yeah okay cool um yeah jobu like joy's like quote unquote like evil villainous you know like the main bad guy bad uh person in in that movie um i really loved um and i feel like in the end it's just because all these people are all these quote unquote villains like i mean they're so human right like they make mistakes they're super flawed and like sometimes like um tragic and sensitive but also like arrogant and like impulsive um mm -hmm. and i feel like in the end they're always um yeah always the the characters that I'm like most interested in you know and maybe it's just like the storytelling right like we are presented them hopefully if it's <laughs> at least in these movies like in a, a nuanced way right so it's not just like a flat like oh you're evil character um there's usually mm -hmm. way way more to it um so I feel like the villains are the ones that like I most care about you know in terms of like their arc and like whether it's redemption or I mean maybe not you mm -hmm. know but hopefully there's some kind of change right whether it's good or bad progress um <laughs> but like that's the the arc that I feel like I always end up um being the most uh um drawn to I I think yeah yeah especially if like I feel like if we're observant like since we as writers are observant as the flaws of human nature perhaps or how every everything is flawed and there's there's a beauty in that I guess but yeah like, it's it's cool that you know, you're able to see that humanity and like in the villains I think 
yeah, that makes it very captivating is when we can like connect and see their, you know, be empathetic with their their mindset or their intentions. Yeah, so. I think too, like, it doesn't always mean that in the end that I'm like, yes, I, you, what you did is okay. <laughs> like oftentimes like, no, it's not, you know, but at the very least, hopefully I can like kind of understand like, okay, maybe how y'all got, you got to that point, I, I suppose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would be, what would be your, your made up villain origin story? Oh my God. Like if you became a villain today, like what event or what, you know, cascade of events would cause you to turn, <laughs> turn full heel and become like a villain? Yeah, I think um, one of, I mean, this was kind of a joke, but also maybe not so much, but one of my quote unquote goals for this year <laughs> was like to um, like not move out of the way so much, like walking down a hallway or a sidewalk, you know, um, do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like my, yeah. well, my initial reflex is in general always to like make less or like take up less space, you know, in a, in a room or like just walking through the world. And especially when you're walking down the sidewalk right and people are going opposite way and I feel like people have talked about this before especially when you're like walking by men who usually assume the woman you know will, will move out of the way um that's mm-hmm. definitely been true for me um like I'm always like yeah like my natural reflex is like to like move and sometimes like I don't know and, and sometimes when that happens I feel like the other person in my experience doesn't, doesn't necessarily see you even to like see that you've moved or acknowledge like oh someone literally had to like go out of their way to make space for me right and I'm like dang what is it mm-hmm. like to walk through the world like that <laughs> you know um <laughs> but anyway so I feel like um that was kind of started as a joke of like oh yeah like one of my new year's resolutions is just to like not move for people <laughs> except now I'm like no that's actually kind of like really a goal just to like not move instinctively all the time um but I feel like my origin story would be just just be like not enough I don't know and not, or if there'd be enough instances of people like bumping shoulders with me usually men right who like aren't naturally mm-hmm. moving out of the way because they're like not used to it or just assuming maybe I would um last minute or something I feel like if that happened enough times I don't know I feel like maybe the villain origin story would somehow <laughs> co- come from that you know um I don't honestly know I just what imagine like you're I just imagine you like building really buff shoulders and then like you're just walking down the side all you're just like ramming your shoulder into people who are disrespectful yeah <laughs> yeah or maybe like there's like some kind of force field around me that just like if you like aren't gonna move like in whatever like distance you know like if you get too close like it's just gonna like mm-hmm. I don't know banish you like I don't know Whoa. <laughs> but like forcefully move you in some way right or like push you backwards so like now you're like oh shit like mm-hmm. it didn't push me forward to like closer to where I want to go but actually further back right um mm-hmm. yeah or banish it's like you, a lesson on personal space and respecting other people's personal space and yeah yeah, yeah. well that'd be kind of cool I think that I feel like um yeah you would definitely get like I don't know I feel like if if you had the force field and you were walking around and like kind of like pushing people out of the way with the force field, um, I wonder like because usually in like in like in like action movies, there's a point where like um, it becomes like bigger than what you expected. Me like maybe the power becomes too big. So I wonder like what's like mm-hmm. the most extreme case of like using your force field for like evil. <laughs> like you're like at Coachella you're just like going to the front of the of like the crowd to see uh, yeah <laughs> or something 
yeah yeah or like I mean I know everyone recently I feel like I saw a lot of people trying to like struggle to get like Beyonce tickets or whatever and I'm like what if I just (laughs) didn't have to struggle and like not get a ticket and I just showed up and I was like well this is a concert just for me apparently (laughs) well that's Uh, genius (laughs) yeah well because you said that I was like oh I I was thinking more of like oh somehow the force field gets too big and like literally I'm just by myself all the time but which is like maybe the the bad I feel like that's when maybe the things like things would go awry right and then I'd be like well now maybe I'm like evil because I'm like wait why am I like so isolated and alone and like how do I get rid of this force field now I don't know <laughs> oh. oh that came in turn for the sad yeah but now we're like more pathetic well. towards the villain <laughs> yeah. yeah what what would what would your villain uh origin story be well I'm a big I love casinos and I love like you know, I, I can count cards. I love blackjack and I know all the strategy. But there was one time in um, Lake Charles on the border of Texas and Louisiana where I think they caught me counting cards and signaling. I don't know if I should say this out loud, but they caught me counting cards, I think, <laughs> because when I went to like leave and like check out, you know, get, get my money, get my money from the chips, they like wiped my whole account from like the the player card I had it was so strange like they had no record of me in the system after that so I think my origin story would be like I don't know if eventually I get kicked out of every casino for card card counting me I'll just like pull heist and steal from I don't know evil or like mean casino um owners and I don't know I'll probably steal the money like in relation to like a blackjack game so like if I get 21 on on like, if I'm like with the casino boss and like you play blackjack and I, I hit like 21, I like still $21,000 from them or something. I don't know. Um, that's like okay. my fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> so not an origin story, just like a fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> or both, no, of how like, I would imagine like getting, you know, getting back to, getting back or, you know, going head to head with a casino uh, boss. Because um, I, I don't think card counting is like, you know, I think it's frowned upon by casino bosses, but it's not illegal. You know, it's just like it's strategy. It's like a skill. Honestly, this is all new to me because I, I feel like I'm not well versed in like casino or like casino games and, and all that stuff. So but I would assume if I would assume a lot of people do it, though. Right. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, with me, because, you know, I've always, you know, when I, when I did do blackjack, it was with like small amounts of, of money. So I don't think I would. I don't think I've ever gotten really in trouble because I never took so much money from the, from the casino or anything. What would you do if if you, you know, did all these heists, right, as your vil- villain origin story? Like, what would you do with all that money? Well, that was my downfall. I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it could be like a cyclical thing where I put the money back into like unhealthy gambling like habits where maybe like I put it back into like craps or baccarat so for some reason I'm like giving the money back to the casinos where I'm going to be stealing from them anyways yeah well I mean I don't know I feel like well and I feel like in so many of these like if I'm thinking of superhero movies and comics and stuff which I haven't really read comics but I feel like right people I feel like the thing people say is like oh well if there's a hero there needs to be a villain and vice versa right like it's the constant cyclical um like relationship Mm -hmm. right like we're yeah so maybe that kind of makes sense in terms of what you're saying (laughs) (laughs) or maybe 
you know, if if I if they want to make a movie about my villainness but make me more like of a somewhat like redeemable, maybe I become like a Robin Hood. Like I give money to like back to the community or something. Okay. Um, but that's a choice. That's an easy choice to to make to make the villain redeemable. Yeah. <laughs> Are there any um because uh, I've been thinking, you know, thinking about like defending my dissertation and like just like poetry in general. Are there any like poetry forms or poetry theories or literary theories or dead white poets that that you consider like your enemy, like something that maybe like enemy, like you hate this or them, but like something you struggle with or like it challenges you? Yeah. Um. I mean, I I think I would have said earlier on, like maybe the sonnet. Um, or like just mm -hmm. poetry forms in general like I know in grad school there was a like a forms of poetry class I took um, and I wrote like really really like bad poems <laughs> um, <laughs> you know and again I think part of that was just like my first two years of grad school I think I wrote like most of my poems like you know like the night before or the day before it was due and like didn't have it was a very always, uh, early draft always so like they were not I don't know not very good or very strong poems um, but that was the most time I spent um, up to that point anyway like really trying out different poetry forms um and I think for me like the sonnet is one though that you know I've, I've known about forever because even probably by like middle school right like we're learning a few of the Shakespeare sonnets and I feel like I had to do like mm -hmm. a project or paper or like learn how to recite stuff you know so it was already something I knew without really knowing and definitely had never tried to write myself before probably probably grad school um and I I don't know like I'm sure an earlier version of myself would have been like, oh, forms, like, I don't know, like, how do I disrupt this? Which, I mean, I guess that's still true, but I think I saw it as more of something that was restrictive and, like, not conducive to, like, writing what I want to write or something that would be good. But now mm -hmm. I see it as more of something that, like, um, because there are potential, like, you know, rules or guidelines to different forms, like, there's surprisingly a big amount of play that can still happen, you know, that I don't think I would have like realized earlier on, like as an earlier like writer, I think. Um, but like, I think in the past, I don't know, it's, it's been a long time, um, like maybe the past year or two, but like I actually tried writing a crown of sonnets. I don't know if you've ever tried that before. Um, it's just like linked sonnets, I guess. So in the end, it's like 15 sonnets. Um, and it was a really fun and for me that was just like I'm gonna challenge myself because I want to write a long poem and like I feel like this first draft of the poem or like this first sonnet is like not done yet you know and it was fun to kind of play mm -hmm. with like okay if it's a crown of sonnets like what imagery and things can keep reappearing and like how does it change like in the course of like a really long um, multi-section poem and I had a lot of fun um I think it was like probably during much earlier height of pandemic and stuff so maybe knowing that there's like okay there are some rules and restrictions at the very least like amount of like lines you know like it was kind of comforting knowing like okay I'm going to create something new but I'm going into a, a known form I guess if that if that makes sense um mm -hmm. and then I think now I'm at a stage where like that poem I don't know originally it was like okay like 15 sonnets right that's probably over like four pages and then someone recommended like oh what if like each sonnet stood on its own page so it's 15 pages so there's like more room for it to breathe and I was like oh that's a great idea oh. and now I'm actually <laughs> um at a stage of that poem where I'm like well actually I think each sonnet I'm, I don't know I'm kind of breaking it out apart uh breaking it apart on the page a bit more and like playing with white space more which I think I've done in some of my earlier work because I like that there's compression in the sonnet but now I'm kind of like 
actually I want like I don't know for this piece to take up more space for there to me to be more white space in it and stuff so I don't know if that's what the final iteration of that poem is going to look like but it was interesting going into it knowing a form like what the form was feeling like I had to do a lot of compression and now taking what I wrote from that but also it's getting a lot more expansive I guess than like the the first oh. um the first draft so yeah so I think I would have said the sonnet like an earlier version of me but now I'm like actually forms are great and I know I feel like <laughs> you I might be misquoting but I feel like you've said before too like for you like with forms it's like like a game right um mm -hmm. so yeah so surprisingly now I'm like oh like this can be fun um <laughs> so it's like kind of a roundabout way of saying the sonnet but actually maybe I like the sonnet <laughs> question mark so right. it's like uh, all the villains you like you know they're they're nuanced and at first you may not like them you learn you break them down and learn more about them and yeah. you see their their value that's really awesome though. I can't wait to see the final iteration and how like what it looks like across like um pages that's so cool my I I've I think one poetry form that's always been my villain because I've never ever completed one like that I like was the villanelle which has the word villain in the name <laughs> Wait, yeah, I should have thought of that. Yeah, good answer. <laughs> um, have you ever written one, like, like random Villanelle successfully? I, I think I probably had to in that class. I wouldn't say it was successful because, like, I don't think anything came of whatever that poem was. And I haven't really, I probably haven't tried since then, to be honest, you know, like, I haven't, mm -hmm. yeah, I haven't tried in a long time. So I don't know what it would look like now. Yeah. But you said you've never written one, like, successfully. It just comes off. I don't, know, I don't know if cheesy is the word or I don't know. It's just like the the rules of the repetition make it so hard to like, I don't know. For me, it, it seems hard because like I think the nature of it is supposed to be there's like an inner cyclicalness. Mm -hmm. Just the repetition of the lines themselves seem very hard to like work around. And, um, it's too much constraint that I haven't figured out how to break break out of yet. Yeah. Um, because I really wanted to write a Villanelle for Villanelle from the show Killing Eve, who's also a great villain, I guess, if you think she's a villain. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't do it. <laughs> Maybe this is your villain origin story. <laughs> like... <laughs> the villain villain yeah. origin story, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so the last big question before um, I'll let you go. And because uh, I was, thinking about these questions and the idea of what a villain is. Um, and I think a smaller form of that uh, is the idea of being petty, and like the pettiness of life. And I was watching an interview of Donald Glover and, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said that like sometimes pettiness is what motivates him. And a lot of his career decisions was fueled by pettiness or people saying, I don't think you can do that. Yeah. Um, so my question is, do you think pettiness can be a productive, powerful tool sometimes? And then are there any examples in your own life, writing or otherwise, where you think pettiness helped you in some way? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I mean, clearly it has worked for like, <laughs> um, at least like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I think for sure, like, pettiness can definitely be a source of motivation. Um, I don't know if it has been for me. Like, I can't think of a specific time where someone has said, like, you can't, I'm sure if I actually spent more time to think about this, I might be able to think of examples right now. Um, I can't remember a time when someone was like, oh, you can't write a book or you can't do this. I think for me, mm -hmm. 
I didn't necessarily experience that because I mean, my parents, when I did my MFA, they didn't even know what an MFA was. So they weren't like, you can't get an MFA or do this, you know, like they didn't even know what it was I was doing to say, you can't do it. Right. Um, I think Mm -hmm. earlier on though, they definitely were like, don't, you know, I always said I wanted to grow up to be a writer. And when I was younger, they were like, no, don't do that. Like think of something more practical and stable and like, you know, don't study English. And I I ended up doing all those things anyway, (laughs) you know, um, I don't think it was like definitely not motivated out of pettiness or spite. You know, I definitely did try to do other things. Like I was undeclared for, for two years. I was trying to not be an English major in the end. I was like, well, here I am like, (laughs) you know, back to doing what I want to do anyway. And luckily, you know, it's worked out. Um, Actually recently at a, my parents went to my first like in-person reading um I think last October and like I mean it was like a proud dad moment but also kind of embarrassing because I was signing some books and he, he was talking to the festival organizers being like I always told her like don't do this like don't be a writer but like here she is and I was like dad please don't start sharing like family like past trauma and like you know like sources of tension with like random people I don't necessarily know <laughs> um mm-hmm. anyway so yeah like it, it all worked out but otherwise I can't really think if anything if there's anyone saying like you can't do anything most likely it came from like me maybe internally you know thinking I couldn't do something or thinking like um yeah I couldn't because of imposter syndrome I think often oftentimes if I see that like oh so-and-so has done has accomplished something I want to accomplish or has received I don't know a fellowship I haven't for me that somewhat feels motivating because I'm like my first thought is like, that's amazing for them. Like, why didn't I get it sometimes? Right. And then I'm like, you didn't even apply. You didn't even know that existed. (laughs) You know, like, what are you talking about? And then I'm like, okay, cool. Now I know. Right. And maybe it's something I want to apply for. Or sometimes I'm like, that's great for them. I want it. Then I have to realize, well, no, you don't. Or else like, like, that's not actually what you want to do. Right. Or like, that's not your next step that you've already thought of, you know? Um, Sometimes I forget that just because it's very easy to compare. I think, Um, especially like being a writer and being an artist, right? Sometimes there's this like idea, uh, feeling of scarcity, right? Um, mm-hmm. That makes comparing really easily like, easy. Um, but yeah, I don't know if pettiness has ever for me been been the thing. I think I try to let go of like, like I'm not keeping a scorecard. I think I try to let stuff go because otherwise it feels too negative for me, um, like too stressful mm-hmm. to hold on to that negativity. Um, but yeah, maybe I'll, I'll think of something later and I'll be like, oh yeah, there was a time I was motivated by pettiness, but <laughs> like off the top of my head, I, I can't think of one. It's like, it's not usually a, for me, like a, a main, like a main motivator or main, yeah, main source, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you? That's awesome. Oh, me? <laughs> if you want to share. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I think when I think of pettiness, I even think when Donald Glover was thinking of it, it was his early career. So maybe, maybe pettiness can be productive depending on the power dynamic. Like if someone that's like higher power, I guess, is like saying something negative, then maybe that's productive. I do agree that like comparing yourself to someone else's accomplishments, that's like a vicious, like unhealthy cycle and kind of gets away from the point of it all. Mm-hmm. But like, um, like if I think I think recently, you know, the past forty, sometime in the past three years, I like I tried to I've been trying to branch out and go back to writing short stories. Just it was like during the pandemic and try to like um, go back to that. 
and I submitted something that won something. And then I'm actually actually kind of vague. I, I submitted something that won something, but then like because of like a and then like someone who didn't submit to it was like, wait, he shouldn't be allowed to get that because of this like small print that like wasn't really clear. Mm -hmm. And then they took away the prize. Oh wow! And then. So that kind of gave, I was like, that's a little petty, but that's okay. And then, but that helped me like, um, just continue writing short stories. Now I have this whole like short story collection idea I have. Oh it's like, I can work on it. Um, so I think that was one, <laughs> that was like a bureaucratic, like, I think bureaucracy can make me a little petty. Mm, sure, like, yeah. oh, I, I don't need your permission. I can just, you know, do this. But um, yeah, I guess I'm petty against, institutions if yeah. anything I feel like that's I never I support that <laughs> <laughs> but never against like other personal people <laughs> yeah well said <laughs> <laughs> um well thank you for doing this interview and for uh talking talking out your heroness and villainous origin stories um, oh, real quick, where could we follow you or read some of your work or anything you wanna you wanna plug? Yeah, um, I mean, you can go to my website, which I need to update, but it exists. <laughs> <laughs> it's susanpoet.com. Otherwise, um, I haven't been that active on Twitter lately. I don't, I don't know. I just feel like I have no energy for it. But I, I may be back. Um, my Twitter is um, suze s u z underscore poet. Um, and I think I'm still pretty active on Instagram. <laughs> My Instagram handle is are uh, it's are you okay, Susan? <laughs> um, so it's a lot. <laughs> it's like, I, I've uh, always wanted to ask about the origin of that. Uh, yeah, Instagram name. Um, I don't know. I actually when I first got a smartphone um it was a lot later than most of my friends like I got it after college so at that point I was like one of the last friends I can remember who had a dumb phone um so when I finally got one it was right before I moved across the country to Arizona where I am now to like do my MFA and I was like oh Instagram cool I want to do that what's that and I was like oh no I gotta think of like a handle so I think I was just asking a bunch of my friends and someone was like are you okay Susan and I was like thank you I like that I'm gonna go with that <laughs> um yeah <laughs> so and I'm like, that's still a good, valid question to be asking years later. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So feel <laughs> free to find check in. <laughs> yeah. Feel free to find me. And sometimes the answer may be yes. Sometimes it's no. It just depends on the day. <laughs> um, thank you so much for taking the time to, to talk with me. And Randy, good luck editing out the <laughs> things you don't want. <laughs> Thanks, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that is a wrap for today, and I want to say thank you so much for listening to my guest and for this episode. So be sure to check out previous episodes that you might have missed. And to stay tuned, check out my Instagram at bunmi, which is B-A-N-H-M-I underscore chronicles. Or you can just type into my Facebook page at the Bun Me Chronicles or on Twitter at M-I underscore chronicles and also before before you leave uh, make sure that you send a five star review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to uh, check out for any new episodes 
Thank you so much. And again, have a wonderful day.